G'day. Hi. Is it working? No. Hi. I'm on. Am I on now? Yeah? Gangster. Okay. Thank you for that uh, lead up. Lucky God is bigger than me. <laughs> oh, actually, I do have a joke for you. John Webb figured it out the other day. Actually, I was very impressed yesterday. We were talking about jokes and puns. Will there be puns in heaven? Well, John said no because heaven is not a place of punishment. <laughs> Give that guy a round of applause. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> All right. Oh, thank you. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm pretty loud now. This is good. Hallelujah. Whoa. Okay. Um, I've been having a lot of good chats with people this week. All different kinds of people. It's been really, really good and having some really interesting conversations. And uh, Pastor Micah isn't here at the moment, but uh, I share an office space with him now. And I've got to get used to calling it not my office. I must call it our office now. Um, you know, so that's, that's pretty cool, but it's been really good having him in the office because we distract each other a lot and, uh, we still get more work done, which is really great, but we do distract each other a lot when we talk. Um, and, uh, you know, I'll be, I'll be sitting there and I'll go, wow, you know, like that while I'm working and Michael will go, what is it? And I'll say, you know, I'll, I'll talk about whatever it is that I feel God has just shown me. And then we'll talk about that for, you know, probably 10 minutes and, you know, we'll each go, yeah, that's good, that's fire. And then we'll write that down and put it away and continue with our work. And then a little while later, Michael will go, oh, that's good. And I'll say, what is it? <laughs> and then we'll start talking again for another, you know, sometimes it's like two minutes, but other times it's like, oh, it's a bit longer. And, uh, and we'll go, yeah, yeah, that's really good, that's fire. And then we'll write that down and then we'll put it away, but we keep that book handy because we write in it a lot. And uh, one thing we were talking about this week was that, um, you know, how dangerous knowledge can be to the Christian. Not that we've got to bury our head in the sand and be stupid and dense. That's not what I'm saying. But, um, you know, I think we can all agree that knowledge can sometimes, or information, just trying to get information for the sake of knowing things can sometimes get in the way of our relationship with God. Do we agree? Sometimes it's, you know, it can really become an idol in our lives. And, uh, and it, it can stop us from really sitting down and spending time with God as if I'm going to get to heaven one day and God will say, did you learn everything about me? Oh yeah, but I didn't do much with it. You know, it's kind of, it, it seems a bit pointless, but um, I mean, it's good to know God, but I don't want to know about God. I want to sit down and spend time with him and learn that way. Um, and, you know, I think sometimes because we have this desire for knowledge, and knowledge is a good thing. I kind of liken it to fire. It can be a good thing or a bad thing, depending on how you use it. It really depends on the person because knowledge, or sorry, maturity, I'll say, is not founded upon knowledge. It's founded on good character. That's really it. And so knowledge will either encourage you on your, in your good character or it will steer you down in pride. It will do one of those two things. Knowledge is amoral. It sits right in the middle. It just depends on where your heart is. Um, and I, I think because... You know, we sometimes have this tendency to knowledge. God makes the concept of faith a lot simpler than maybe what we make it out to be. I think our Christian faith is a lot easier to process 
than what we try to make it because we want to understand all the little nigglies about it and we want to sound smart and, you know, I mean, who doesn't love sounding smart sometimes? But I think God has made it so simple for us, so foolproof that we can often miss it because we want it to be more than what it is. Um, I think if we learn to see faith as a really simple thing that we can follow, it might change the entire way we see God and how we live our Christian life. So I'd like to talk about that today. So can we please, yeah, we've got 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 to 4 up there. And uh, I'm just going to pray before I read it, if that's all right. Let's pray. Jesus, I don't have magical words. Whoa, I'm going to move over here. But oh, Holy Spirit, you're in this room and you rest on each of us and you speak to us and you bring your glory. Lord, I put myself aside. You alone speak the words of life. So help us to open our hearts right now and to receive from you. We love you and we want to know you really personally. We want to learn more about you. And we want to serve you. We want to worship you. We want to live for you. Humble us right now. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Okay. 2 Peter 1, 1 to 4. I want to read from my Bible, but you guys can all read up there. Ooh, that's not it. All right. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has, everybody say has. Hallelujah. Granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. By which he, everyone say it. <laughs> say it one more time. Hallelujah. That sounded a bit better. Granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Let's compare, actually, I'm talking about, uh, oh yeah, I've got to turn this on. Joanne even told me at the start of this, don't forget to turn it on. Hallelujah. I'm talking about claiming God's promises today. I think it's something important for each one of us to do. Okay, so compare, if you will. Uh, has anyone ever seen one of those Christians that right from the bat, right from the get-go, they give their lives to Jesus and they just seem to get everything right? And they're progressing in their faith like really steadily and, and they've got you know, testimonies all the time and God's doing great things and it's like, wow! You know, and you're sitting there going, this is really impressive. God is really moving in their life. And I'm not talking about one of those Christians that look like they're ticking all the boxes but they don't have a firm foundation in God and then when something goes wrong they're like, oh no, I don't love God anymore or maybe God doesn't love me and then you know, they go back into the world or something like that. I'm not talking about one of those Christians. I'm talking about one of those Christians that genuinely keep increasing right before our eyes. Have we all seen one of those before? Has any of us ever considered ourselves one of those before? Okay. <laughs> 
you know, you don't know all the battles that are going on in my head, and I don't know all the battles that are going on in your head, right? So we all kind of feel like sometimes we're going around in a bit of a circle, and, uh, and it's like we're just not getting anywhere. I mean, who's felt like that before? So, you know, compare, compare that Christian that just seems to get everything right, even though we, you know, we do know they go through their battles, but then compare a Christian that, please don't think of anybody in particular. We, we don't want to do that here. Um, you know, a Christian that just gets everything wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. Someone that just you can obviously see them just they just go around in circles and they never get anywhere and they always wonder why they don't get anywhere. I mean just imagine the two. <laughs> but don't put names to either of them. Okay? What distinguishes one from the other? Does the kind of family they were born into make the difference? Sometimes in our heads we think it does. But it, it doesn't. Does, does cultural differences, you know, d- d- does the, you know, you grow up in a particular culture, does that mean you're more likely to advance in your faith quicker? I don't think so. Um, the, the horrible things you've been through, does, does that mean you're more held back than someone else in being able to advance in your faith in God? I'm going to go back to this passage. Actually, I'll just read it up here. No, okay. Yeah, I'll just read it here. <laughs> Verse 1. To those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. If there was anybody who was considered a best friend of Jesus Christ himself in the flesh, it was Peter. He wrote this book. He was speaking to the church and he said, Your faith is equal to mine. It doesn't matter that I walked with the person Jesus for three years. You have him living inside you. That's good enough. It doesn't matter what job you have or whether you work with nice people. It doesn't matter what family you're born into. It doesn't matter what cultural setting you have. You are not at a disadvantage. There is no such thing as a Christian that is at a disadvantage. In any way, there's no special privilege in the kingdom of God. There's no such thing as isolated advantage or something like that. Not even Jesus himself was privileged. Hebrews says that God heard him because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience by what he suffered. And God heard him because of his reverence. God didn't say, well, you're my son. And, you know, so... I'll I'll let you in. Come on. Like, God wasn't like that. Jesus still had to do all the stuff and prove that there was no special privilege on his life. I mean, he was born apart from sin. That's pretty cool. But he was still tempted like everybody else, and he still had to go through all the processes that we've got to go through. A real leader leads, and he led by going through the same stuff we've got to go through. He was not at a special advantage in that sense. And nobody in this room is at a special advantage over anybody else. If you've got Jesus, you've got all the advantage in the world. That's just it. Your faith is equal to everybody else. Which means we've all got zero excuses. (laughs) Let's look at the other side of that coin. We don't have excuses. You know, It's not to say, oh, well, this person's there and I'm there. And so 
you know, what the hell am I doing wrong? Why aren't I? Like, let's not compare with each other. There's a time to compare and there's a time to not. It's not okay to compare someone's highlights with my behind the scenes and then feel inadequate and determine my value and my identity. It's okay to compare for the purpose of educating yourself, but not to determine your identity. Let's get that one right. But there are no, we, we don't have any excuses as Christians because we've all been put on the same playing field and we all have the ability to, to, to grow in God. And, you know, some people may appear to have more burdens when they come to the faith than other people. That's okay. You can still all grow. See, what I think is the biggest thing that holds us back as Christians, and I would say that this has been the biggest battle of my entire life, is learning not to be a victim. I grew up as a victim. That was my head. You know, and it's not because my dad taught me to be a victim. It's not because my mom taught me to be a victim. It's not because anybody taught me to be a victim. It's because I chose to be a victim, pure and simple. We all choose to be a victim or a victor in our thinking. That's it. It's entirely by permission. I chose to be a victim for my entire life. I would blame the way I was on what I had been through. That's what I did. But that's not the gospel because God says I've been set free from all of that. 1 John chapter 5, verses 4 and 5. Oh, actually, I've got it here. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Can I get an amen? Can I get an amen? amen? Hallelujah. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is the one who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? That means nothing can hold me back. Things hold me back because I think they hold me back. Because I'm focusing on them and giving them a reason to hold me back. That's it. Okay, that is it. If I, see, someone might say to me, right, I've heard, I've heard this before. You don't know what I've been through. You can't say that because you don't know what I've been through. You can't comprehend what I've been through. I've had it a lot worse than you, Jamie. That's true. Lots of people have. If I'm going to compare myself to other people, I've had it pretty easy. But, you're not so special that the blood of Jesus doesn't cover you. You're not so special that what you suffered as a little kid and bore around for many, many years, Jesus hasn't healed. Jesus died for the entire world. Jesus defeated the root cause of all of sin. And I'm going to complain about the fruit of sin. If Jesus took away the whole tree, why am I saying there's still fruit around I can still probably see it in my life because of the way I think. That doesn't mean that Jesus hasn't dealt with it, no less. If I'm going to say, well, Jamie, you don't know what I've been through because I've been through this, then I'm saying that I have more faith in what I've been through than what Jesus did for me. And that's more powerful than Jesus' blood. That's what I'm saying. What I don't understand about you know, sometimes Christians think, and, and I've, I've thought this a long time. Everything I'm saying today, God has kind of taught me from my own experience. Okay, so some of it's going to sound really harsh. It's because God's dealt me with the harsh stick when I've, you know, when I've had to learn these things. I don't understand how I can think that I am saved and believe in the scriptures so much that when I die, I'm going to go to heaven and go and 
be with God for eternity, something I can't even see right now, if I can't even believe that God can't set me free from a self-esteem issue or depression or anxiety. Like, in comparison, those things are so much smaller than our faith as a whole. Why do I get to believe in the big picture but not the small things in my life? That doesn't make sense to me. I think that's silly, but I've done it a lot. Why? Because what we see and what we experience speaks volumes to us. It's really powerful. And so we, we give it authority in our life. We give what we experience authority in our life over the truth of Scripture. Jesus' experience have more authority in my life than my own. Amen? Okay. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 to 18 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Is, like present tense, is. The old has, everyone say has, passed away. Behold, the new has come. Thank you. Has. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That means all those things that happened to you in your past, if you have Jesus, is dead and buried. Done away with. Don't hold on to it anymore. Let's not glorify hell. The devil's plan for your life is to hang on to your past. Let's partner with God. Okay. Do you know what makes a victim a victim? God only taught me this one two months ago because I was doing it. <laughs> Seriously, I'm 29. Uh, back then I was 28. <laughs> and I was still doing it. I've been a committed Christian for 10 years. And I was, I was still doing it. Um, I didn't want to do something that I should have done. And I was looking for reasons not to. See, what a victim does, what makes a victim a victim, is a victim will justify themselves as much as possible. They'll justify their pride. They'll justify why they are the way they are, and they'll use their circumstances to do it. And that's exactly what I was doing. I should have apologized for something that I said. And Barry knows exactly what I'm talking about. And I was like, no, God, I'm not doing that. <laughs> Trying to argue with God, eh? You just get the eyebrow from Jesus and that's it. <laughs> he doesn't even need to say anything. And, uh, and I realized, wow, why is it so difficult to follow Jesus? If I'm doing this now, I'm going to make it extraordinarily difficult for the rest of my walk. If I'm trying to justify, if I'm trying to make excuses for the way I am and justify my pride, then I don't really know that I've been justified in Jesus. Simple as that. Uh, Romans chapter 5 verse 1 says, Since therefore we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. If something steals my peace, it's because I let it. Because I don't know that I'm at peace with Jesus. I'm justified now. I don't need to worry about a thing. Still means I've got to do the right thing. So, can we all agree right now? Is it, is it okay if we have a little bit of um, I don't know if I'd call it interaction, but is it, okay, is it okay if we agree to something right now? Can we all agree to stop being victims and stop hanging on to things that don't really define us? 
Is that all right? Can we pray? Is that okay? Let's pray. Stand up with me. Jesus, thank you for teaching us the way of victory and that it's found in you and not in us. And we don't need to strive to be free, but that we already are. We don't want to be victims anymore, Lord. We don't want to hang on to bad things that have happened to us. We don't want to hang on to bad things that have been said to us. We don't want to direct our hearts to pride and try and hang on to it. Jesus, we just want to be close to you and we want to be like you. Right now, God, we repent. We hand over all those things. We hand over our past right now. You nailed it to the cross. You covered us in your blood. You set us free. We choose to live our lives in you. Knowing that we are made in the image of Christ and nothing else. Thank you so much. We choose to be victors and live in your victory. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. So number one, how do I claim God's promises? What have I got to do? I just want to keep this message really simple. Oh, I've got to aim at that. Okay, number one, I need to know God's promises have already been given. How many hazards have we said today in the scriptures that we've read? There's a, there's a few. A lot of this stuff is past tense. Whenever it talks about God's promises, it talks about past tense. The only time it talks about present or future tense is when you have to realize that and walk in it. That's the only way because when you realize where you stand, you will have success in your future. Does that make sense? Okay. I need to know God's promises have already been given. Let's read from 2 Peter again, verses 3 to 4. Oh, yeah, it's there. His divine power has granted to us, everyone say has, granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. So it's through the promises that we take partnership with God and living in victory. Through God's promises. Why is it through his promises? Well, God's promises come from Jesus himself. In Jesus, every promise is fulfilled. Jesus is perfect. He is whole and he is our bridge to God. So every promise that is in him flows out and we receive it. So if we've received Jesus already, that means his promises, have also they're also available to us. They're up for grabs right now. We're all sitting here, his promises are all up for grabs. That's what I think we should all realize. There are no ifs and or buts about this. 2 Corinthians 1.20 For all the promises of God find their yes in Jesus. That's why it's through him that we utter our amen for his glory. Does God withhold his promises? 
No. Scripture doesn't seem to say that he withholds his promises from us. Once we receive Christ, we've got his promises. But we, sometimes we don't see ourselves walking in them. Or sometimes we don't see them manifest. Well, that's all right. We can get to that in a little bit. But is God ever going to change his mind? Is God ever going to take his promises back? How do we know? It says it in Romans chapter 11, verse 29. The gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. He is not taking them back. They are ours right now. Why are they irrevocable? Why will he not change his mind? Why wouldn't he just say, gosh, you're a Muppet. <laughs> you just want to do the wrong thing. I'm taking this back right now. Why wouldn't he do that? Psalm chapter 110, verse 4. I really, I'm, I'm moving around in Scripture a lot. I like Scripture. Scripture is my favorite thing. It says, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. It's talking about Jesus and the new covenant. And the, the author of Hebrews talks about that in chapter 7. It says right after that passage, this makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. See, in the Old Testament, you had to keep getting sacrifices for your sins. But they never really dealt with the problem of sin. The blood of animals couldn't do that. But Jesus did once and for all. And because he lives forever in heaven at the right hand of the Father, we are in eternal covenant with God. So if God were to change his mind and take back some of the promises or take back all of the promises or however many he wanted, he would have to go back and undo everything Jesus did at the cross. He would have to undo the death, the burial, and the resurrection, and it would have to be, it would have to be as though it never happened in the first place. But because Jesus did that then, we have the promises now. As long as Jesus died and remains dead and raised, not he remains dead, but you know, raised from the dead, and as long as he lives forever, we have all these promises. Jesus is the king of heaven, amen? That means everything belongs to him. Everything belongs to Jesus, and he has made us co-heirs with him. We receive the inheritance of Christ. And he owns everything in heaven. Every good thing, every resource, it's all his. That means it's ours too. Right now. Hallelujah. So the first point, we've got to know it's ours. We've got to know these promises are ours. Scripture says it's already ours. So when you get given something really awesome, what do you say? What do you say? Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. You say thank you. It's pretty simple. You don't say, oh, Lord, please give it to me. And he's like, Steve, take this bottle of water. You know, well, actually, that illustration didn't go how I intended it. But, <laughs> but like, he's holding it out all day. But it's like we're, we're asking for it and we're asking for it and we're asking for it. And God's saying, yes, take it. And you're like, but I want it. I don't understand. You know, maybe I'll learn that when I have little kids. And I'll be like, there you go. And they're like, ah. And we kind of act like that, don't we? We want God's promises and we ask for them. And it's like, oh, I already have them. Thank you. Yeah. That's my whole second point. Thank you. That's it. I didn't really want to go too theologically in depth with it and all. You know, let's talk about the... 
all the, all the little nigglies and the technicalities and stuff like that. It's actually really simple. Our faith is really simple. Thank you. That's all you've got to say. Everyone say thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. 2 Corinthians 9.15, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. How deep is that? Hey, how complicated is it? Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. I do admit being thankful can sometimes be difficult. Um, it can seem to be easier not to be thankful when something bad happens. Hey, like it's easy for life to get in the way. And so thankfulness is not exactly the first thing that comes into our thinking. But if I've been saved, if I have Christ, I've always got a reason to be thankful. Don't I? Has anyone here ever received a promise of God that they've been praying for? Put your hand up if you have. Okay. How many people spotted it in Scripture first and went, wow, that's amazing. And then you saw it take place. Okay. Was, I think there was four in that one. <laughs> have you been saved? How many people in here have given their lives to Jesus? I don't want to see these ones. I want to see these ones. Show me these ones. Okay. Okay. I, 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 yeah, cool. Have you seen that in Scripture? That's cool. Is that a reason to be thankful? Who here has received the Holy Spirit? Yeah, cool, awesome. Is that a promise in Scripture? That's, that's gangster. Okay. What are the promises? Yell some promises out at me. What's some promises in Scripture that God has given us? Yell some out. Sorry? Healing. Healing is a great one. Healing is a promise in Scripture. Thank you. Any others? <laughs> oh yeah, it's not up there right now But thank you for paying attention <laughs> Actually, Kat said that one to me the other day Yeah, that's really cool So she didn't just say it off the bat Anybody else? What's a, script what's a scriptural promise? He'll provide all our needs Hallelujah, one more What did you say, Margie? Say again Oh, yes, joint heirs, hallelujah. What did you say, Lossa? He will never leave us. Someone said that in the first service too. That's a really, really good one. Sometimes we feel like God isn't there after we've done the wrong thing or something like that. But we have God's acceptance all the time. That's God's promise to us. We don't have God's rejection. How amazing is that? If you fear rejection, God hasn't rejected you. He's accepted you. That's actually all you need. You're not going to be afraid of people's rejection if you know God hasn't rejected you. Jesus took it. Come on. You know, when we focus on God's promises, we really can't help but be thankful. It consumes our thinking. Has anyone said good morning to me before? Bless you. Has anyone said good morning to me before? Like, or oh, how are you, Jamie? Who here has ever received some weird, wacky, stupid answer? <laughs> you put, hey, that was a little too enthusiastic, all right? <laughs> like, how are you doing, Jamie? Awesome. Yeah, come on. Like, why shouldn't I be happy? Like, I get to read my Bible in the morning. I get to read God's promises. Jesus tells me who I am. Why can't I have 
a fantastic day? Does having a fantastic day mean my head's in the clouds and everything goes right for me? Does it mean I don't notice when bad things happen? No. But having a fantastic day means you're abiding in Christ. It means you're, you're spending time with God, you're aware of his promises. You know that those things that happen around you don't define you. You don't need to put your faith in them. Come on. Okay. So, oh, has anyone ever prayed like, you know, who here has ever just run to the end of, you know, their mind and, you know, you've just had enough of life and you just like, you know, you get on your knees and you're like, just God, just finish me off. <laughs> just take me. I want to be with you right now. Just, just, just take it from me or, or take the burden from me. Just take it from me, God. I can't deal with this anymore. Has anyone prayed that before? Yeah, oh my God. Yeah, I see the hands going up now. <laughs> I've prayed that before. You know, it, like what a dark place to be in. Oh my goodness, it's horrible, isn't it? It's the worst feeling in the world. You know, when, when, when you're on your knees praying that prayer, this is what Jesus is saying. I've already, I've already set you free from it. <laughs> the reason I'm experiencing it, I'm hanging on to it. I'm not letting go of it. I don't need to say, Jesus, take it from me when he's already set me free from it. So for some of us, myself included, I mean, you know, I had to learn this lesson. And sometimes I still got to catch myself. This is where our style of prayer may need to change. From God set me free to thank you that I am free. It's really simple. You know, you know the scripture in Matthew 11, 28 to 30, where it says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. Amen. Jesus didn't say drop stuff in that verse. He just said, receive from me. Take my yoke upon you. It doesn't actually say, I'm going to take stuff from you. It says, take stuff from me. I said that the right way around, didn't I? Yeah. Okay. In that verse, we receive from Jesus. That's how easy it is. Thank you. A person that says thank you, I say it all the time. They know they've received something. That's our prayer. Thank you. It's really easy, isn't it? It's not rocket science. I do understand sometimes we've got to let go of things. And, you know, thankfulness teaches us to do two things. It puts us in the right position, puts our head in the right place. It gives us perspective. It lets us know where we're standing, which is in grace. And so we're able to move into our future with success or we're able to do the next part right, I guess you could say, or however you want to say it. It positions us right for victory. The second thing it does is thankfulness teaches us to take responsibility for our own life. Because if I pray, Jesus, take it from me, I'm not taking any responsibility for the dumb thing that I've just done or the dumb thing that I'm thinking. I'm just expecting Jesus to do it all when he's already done it. But in partnership, two people do stuff. So when I say thank you, what I'm actually, what I'm actually doing and what it's causing me to realize is, I messed up, didn't I? That was silly. I've been thinking the wrong thing or I've been living the wrong way and I'm going to hand this over to you right now. I let go of it. I repent of it and I thank you that you've set me free from it. That's what it does. It teaches us to take responsibility for our own faith and that's what causes us to grow like that Christian that just kicks all the goals and, and does all that stuff. They take responsibility for their own faith. And it starts with thankfulness. That sounds pretty easy, doesn't it? But thankfulness is hard when we want to hang on to our own pride because we think it's 
more edifying for some weird reason. Okay, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 28. Point number three is what thankfulness does is, I said it positions our heart right, but it positions us to get the next stuff right. <clears throat> Therefore, since we're receiving an unshakable kingdom, hallelujah, let us be filled with gratitude or thankfulness and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. That word worship there also means service. Some translations will say, and so uh, give service to God or serve God acceptably with reverence and awe. And the same thing. Who knows that music is not the only kind of worship? This whole service is worship. What you do every day is worship if you're doing it for God. You can be worshipping God in the way you do the dishes because you're thanking God while you're doing it. That's, that's from the heart. That's what obedience from the heart looks like. You can worship God when you go and help someone. Like, you know, they get a flat tire or something. You're, you're fixing the tire. You can be worshipping God because you're thanking Jesus that you're doing that and that he's with you. Like, that's worship. That's awesome. You know, how many people know that two people can do the same job, but one of them can be doing it with the wrong heart, and one of them can be doing it with the right heart? And the person that's doing it with the wrong heart isn't worshipping God. Not acceptably, anyway. And it doesn't make them a bad person, because they could be doing it from a position of, they don't know that God loves them very much. They might think that, if I do more stuff, maybe God will accept me. If I do more stuff, maybe God will love me. That's not worship. That's not right. God has accepted us. That's a promise in Christ. Real worship comes from obedience from the heart. Um, Romans chapter 6, 17 to 18. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you are committed. And having been set free from sin have become slaves of righteousness. Hallelujah. What does obedience from the heart look like? This is what it looks like, okay? Wow. Not like Owen Wilson, but like, wow. You did that for me? Thank you so much. Thank you. I get to do this for you now. I get to work with you, God, because you did all of this for me and I've got... Nothing holding me back. And I've got some silly things going on in here, but I thank you that you've set me free from them and you're teaching me to walk in freedom so that these things are just washing away. Like, you're just so good, God. That's what it means to abide in Christ. So that's what it means to walk in grace. you just got to recognize you have it and say thank you and then go and do stuff. I'm serious. It's that simple. And then when you go and do... Whatever it is that you're going to do for God, it's not burdensome anymore. Who's ever done things for God and it's just weighed you down? Like, oh, it sucks. That's not worship. That's me trying to do it in my own strength because my head's in the wrong place. If I just change my tune and go, oh, wow, that's what it says. Thank you so much. And then, you know, you're empowered to do it. That's really cool, isn't it? Okay. It makes all the difference to your everyday when you focus on what Christ has done instead of what problem has just happened in front of you. 
And that's why I think it's so good to read the Bible in the morning. You should all read the Bible in the morning. Hallelujah. There's one more scripture I want to finish on. And it's really simple. And we talked about it last week. But that reference is wrong. I wrote, <laughs> it's 1 Thessalonians. It's not 1 John. Okay, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 to 18. Be joyful always. Everyone say this with me. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Wow. Is it hard to be joyful when we're focusing on God's promises all the time? It's so easy. I mean, you know, it, it can be a bit of a, a process, a bit of a discipline doing that. Because, yeah, it's not always, it, when you're starting off, it's not always easy being thankful straight away. It's not always easy being joyful straight away. It's not something you force yourself to do. You just, all you've got to do is just look at this and recognize that, Hey, God's already given it all to us. That gives us a reason to be joyful. And, you know, praying continually, it doesn't need to look like, you know, big wild prayers in the workplace. Oh, Lord, save all of these people. Gosh, they're ignorant and terrible and they're dead in their sin and they need you right now. Yeah, I mean, I'm just going over the top, but you don't need to, you know, prayer can be as simple as just saying, oh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> oh, wow, that hurt. Thank you, Jesus, that you're so good. You know, like, that's praying continually. It doesn't need to be rocket science. It's really simple. And, uh, yeah, give thanks in all circumstances. doesn't matter if life is up or down. doesn't matter if your day is up or down. It doesn't matter. I'm not saying that stuff doesn't need to register, but when, when you're living by gratitude in Christ... When you're living by thankfulness, you're able to approach all of those situations with greater clarity. And you're going to do the right thing and God will use you to impact the other person. That's what it means to be a walking encounter. So let's be thankful all the time, church. Are we cool with that? Hallelujah. Okay. We should pray. And then we'll finish off. Thank you, Jesus. That... We don't have to strive for your acceptance or your love. You've already accepted us. You've brought us into the kingdom of heaven and you've given us all life. God, thank you so much for every promise that you've given. Help us to know what these promises are. Thank you for encouraging us and, and may they be our focus every single day. May the person of Jesus Christ be our focus every single day and recognize that we already have victory. Lord, that we don't need to perform for your love. We've got it. And Jesus... Some people in here have been hanging on to promises, particular ones. I thank you that you've given those promises. May they manifest in the name of Jesus. May they be realized before our very eyes and may they be amazing testimonies. Help us to walk by your promises. Help us to pray all the time and to give thanks all the time. Help us to keep it simple and not try to 
not try to fill our heads with all sorts of knowledge that you haven't given to us by the Holy Spirit. We love you, Lord. Bless every single person here. And thank you for encouraging all of us. In the name of Jesus, amen. Awesome. Cool. Praise God. I pray that that word impacts your heart really well. And it challenges us during the week so that we can go back and reflect on some of those scriptures and understand that God has already fulfilled this in Jesus. Amen. And these promises are yes and amen. And uh, in Jesus, they are yes, and we fulfill the amen. Amen? Amen. That's pretty cool. I'm going to invite Caitlin and Reuben just to come and play us out for the morning. Um, feel free to spend the next five or ten minutes catching up with someone here. Uh, just do that um, in this space if you can, so that the, the front door is left open so the people can... Um, can leave freely and if you've got children out with the kids church and the bilbies and our crash uh, please remember to go and grab them and collect them don't just rush off home and leave the children here not that you would do that but um, I'm, I, I, I know mums pretty well sometimes <laughs> anyway that's a joke it's tongue-in-cheek obviously but thank you very much for joining us this morning allow the word to affect your heart today catch up with someone here uh, if you start a conversation and you find that it's time to leave, um, maybe invite them around and have a cup of tea or a cup of coffee at home. Or